This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicago First podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Rick Wilson on Dynasty Podcast. We're still looking good? Sweet. All right. So, so first off, uh, two weeks ago we had you scheduled to come up. You ran into kind of a last-minute car issue, so I'm so glad we were oh, able yeah. to reschedule. Thank you for coming up, man. Ago? Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. Because we had a Sunday off for Easter, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, but I'm glad we were able to reschedule. Yeah. So, thanks for coming on, man. Um, you have a lot of cool stuff happening. Let's start at the beginning, though. Like, how did you find music? How did music come into your life? Like, when did this journey begin for you? Oh, man. That's the tough question. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'm black, and I grew up Baptist, so I mean, I guess I started in the church. Yeah, like most black folks who go to church. Well, you know, I've had a lot of people, and and I'm not even like not of just of any color, but just a lot of people who tell me like, yeah, it started at church, started at home at an early age. It's like I feel like for a lot of a lot of artists who choose music as their concentration, as their passion, it's because it started at a very early age with their family or their church, their community. Yeah. Right on. So it started early on. Like, when did you start looking towards actually writing your own songs? When did that happen for you? Uh, I used to write poems because I came up in, like, the open mic scene. Right. Um, I used to go to Lyricist Loft at U Media and stuff when I was, like, younger. And then I was around a whole bunch of poems, and I wanted to be different, so I started writing raps. And but that's I, pretty much how that happened. <laughs> it, it's not like a huge leap, though, to go from the world of poetry to go into the world of, like... No. Nah, uh-uh. Right. And so y- you were doing uh, new media, and you were also doing, I think, um, Young Chicago Authors, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I did Young Chicago Authors, like, later on. So I, oh, okay. I went to U Media when I was, like, 15, 16, like, in high school. And then I went to college, and I came back after that first year. And I was, like, 19, 18, kind of sort of going to YCA. Okay. And, like, was around those folks. So it was, like, 2014 sort of deal. What kind of doors did that open in your mind when you're like at a place like U Media, like which has really inspired so many so many great talents in the city right now? Like, what did that kind of teach you or show you at an early age? Because 15, 16, that's when you're figuring things out. I mean, well, I mean, it was just like it taught me that I gotta come hard. You know, I, mean, I have to actually write like lyrics that mean something, um, and they actually have to be really good. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was that <laughs> simple. That simple. Yeah, it was yeah. that simple. Or else you don't get called for the open mic. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you kind of graduate to young Chicago authors. Talk about that experience. Because, again, YCA, that is a platform that week after week, so many of the people I'm talking to had a start in YCA. And it's just it's staggering how much talent came from that from that world. Yeah, well, I think right before I went to college, like, U Media was kind of dying, and, like, Brother Mike wasn't hosting it anymore. So, like, I went to Clark Atlanta for a year, and I ran mm-hmm. cross-country and track there. And then I came back, because um, I, like, got into it with the coach or whatnot. And, like, I guess everyone sort of shifted to YCA. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. YCA's the spot now. And that's why I sort of, I mean, I kind of knew everyone that shifted from, from U Media to YCA. But, like, that's where I, you know, met, you know, like, Kevin and everyone, like, when right. I was, like, 18, 19 there. But I'm not old. I just turned 22. So, like, so you, very, like, recently. So you've had a lot of learning, a lot of, like, a lot of work happen in a very kind of short time. Very accelerated process, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, you got to move fast. But you got to move efficiently and fast and 
quality wise, but you got to move fast. I feel like you have to move fast. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's really cliche to be like, we're in a Chicago Renaissance, but like we are at a time where everybody's bringing their A game, especially in this city. So it's like, I feel like that inspires everybody else to be like, oh, I got to, I got to be part of this. Right. I got to step up. Mm -hmm. So, so you do YCA and then you start moving into writing your own raps. Pretty much. That's pretty much how that happened. <laughs> much how it's, just, it's this rapper named Jovan Laudry who, okay. like, be rapping around Chicago. She went to my high school. I went to Eisenhower out in Blue Island, like, 123rd in Kansas. Okay. And she used to write raps. I was writing poems. I liked how she write raps, so then I started writing raps. And, like, my name is, like, R-I-C. So that's where the Rick comes from. And then, like, I went to college, and someone said my name was really whack to be R-I-C. So then everyone on college just started calling me Rick. It was a lot of country dudes. Like, you know me from, like, down south, so they would say, like, what's up, Rick? What's up, Rick? So uh, that sort of just picked up. And then I wanted to put, like, the Wilson at the end because, like, it's really hard to find Rick if you was to Google that anyway. So were you glad to get out of the college scene? It sounds like that wasn't the fit for you. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just didn't know. I was, so I was, like, like a lot of, like, people who go to college. I was in college. I didn't know what I was doing in college or what right. I wanted to do. And I was trying to, like, kind of, like, say, oh, I'm going to be an engineer and, like, get into music and I didn't want to do that so like me and the coach kind of, and then I also was like I got tired of running like it's a different thing when you run in high school and then like you actually have to run for money because that's like your like professional career and you running like in those hills in ATL was really different than like flatland in Chicago right. it's like real deal so after that I sort of was like I, I don't want to really do this after like the first semester so then the second semester I got this Sprite interview with uh, cause Sprite did the Sprite port thing, and they were like interview folks. Okay. And I met this dude named Prince, and then Prince's brother was Sunny Digital. So like we would be at Sunny's house all the time, and like I would be around these people who was making money off music and living off music, and literally just like having fun with their lives, but also making dope music. And not having to run, not having to run on pills. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love running, but like it's a different thing where you gotta wake up at 3 a.m. to run. You know what I mean? And then go to class after that. Go to the weight room, then go to class after that. And then in between, try to get something to eat, like at the calf. Man, more power to you if you could do that. Yeah. There, was, there was no part of that sentence <laughs> that I was like, I'll sign up for any of that. Like it's, and then, like, and, yeah, it was, that's the story. Yeah. It's a story. Because then, like, you're in the weight room, and then, like, cross country, we like the skinniest dudes. So then the weight coach was, like, the athletic. The athletic coach was the football. It was just crazy. It was just crazy. It sounds intense. It was, it was very intense. It's very intense. So now you're back in Chicago. How different is your life now from that period? I don't know. It's weird. It's like I got to Chicago and, like, it's like a whole different life. Like, I go to Atlanta and it's like people know me as, like, a whole different person in Atlanta than people know me in Chicago. Um, but, I mean, I think that's everyone's life, you know sure. what I mean? Like, people who probably know you from 10 years ago know you as a whole different high than people, they know you people now. From, from 10 or 15 years ago would be like, oh, you used to have, you used to have hair. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it's a whole different thing. So it's cool. I mean, it's cool to have that, like those different, like you know, some people know me as Richard, some people know me as Richie, some people know me as Rick. You right. Know? I put that out there as Richard. <laughs> so uh, I think that's the cool thing. But I also like, I sort of got thrown into like the organizing scene really quick. So when I was fifteen, I was part of this organization called the Chicago Freedom School, mm -hmm. and what they do is they take like black and brown kids from the city of Chicago, like or surrounding areas, but mostly the city of Chicago, and they teach them about you know uh, like past social movements, current social movements, oppression, how that works, how to run your own like organizing campaign, how to be an organizer, and what that means and what that looks like. So I was part of this organizing committee, like community 
before I left, but the organizing community and the artist community was like totally separate in Chicago right. at the time. And then when I came back, um, like Dominique Franklin had got killed by a Chicago police officer right off North Ave in May 2014. Mm-hmm. So then like a whole bunch of folks scored like Dominique was like a lot of people don't know he was Save Money. So Save Money is like this like was this music collective. I think still is a music collective right, in Chicago. Yeah. Um so because of that, a lot of organizers and a lot of like sort of like, you know, activists sort of start coming together and like We Charge Genocide was kind of formed after that. Then We Charge I like was chosen to be one of the, like the eight delegates to present that shadow report to the UN. I yeah. think you remember hearing about that. So I got sort of thrown into the fire with that shit. And then uh I've just been running ever since. So, I mean, that in and of itself, every part of that story is really striking and, and very significant and very, there's a lot of weight to it. Let's start at the beginning. Like, uh, what's it like as a high schooler being introduced to that world? Because those are some really serious themes. It's some very adult responsibility there. So, like, when you're at that age where you're still figuring things out about yourself, how do you feel being introduced to that sort of conversation? I mean, it was it was interesting. I sort of um, knew a little bit about it already because my cousin was a hardcore organizer, mm-hmm. and I like I was I read a lot, so like I already thought I was sort of like a smart ass. But, <laughs> I think every teenager does. Yeah, but then I was like a super duper like oh like I was reading the Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Pablo Freire when I was like fifteen, so I was not, like not Harry Potter. Yeah, like, so I was like walking down the hall. I was like yeah, like that's racist. That's not racist. You know, that's sexist. And right. stuff like that. That's appropriation. Yeah, 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 appropriation. So, I mean, that was that. But it, That's a know. different level of, like, a. I don't think about it. I don't have. think about it now. Because, like, now all these kids are super smart. Like, if you go to LTAP, like, these sure. kids are, like, brilliant, you know. Has well, anyone ever been com- to LTAP? Like, Louder Than a Bomb? Like, finals? Or, like, like you got to go, like, these kids are crazy. Like, so, you know what LTAP is, right? Yeah, Louder Than a Bomb. And I think that, well, I mean... Kevin Koval, you know, but it's like, I think that... Yeah, Kevin Koval and the whole YCA. It's a lot of women behind Kevin Koval sure. doing a lot of that work, too. But yeah, shout out to Kevin. I, I, read, I brought up Kevin because he's on this podcast a lot and, like... Oh, and, true. And, well, here's the thing. It's like, louder than a, I feel like through resources like Louder Than a Bomb, like Kevin, like Chance, and, of course, all the people who are doing the work, but I'm just saying those as some of the very visible, like, kind of, like, operate, you know, entities or, or voices, it's like... I feel like more people are aware of these things now than they were maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago because there weren't people who were as visible kind of like spreading that information back then. Yeah, know? and then also, you know, you got to give credit to like the black folks who live in Ferguson. Uh, after oh, Mike yeah. Brown happened, like their resistance and their anger sort of like spread out throughout the whole nation, like from this small town in Ferguson. And a lot of people don't give them credit because... But like after like after like Ferguson, I swear to God, there was like a protest in Chicago every day until like December of 2014. Right, and it was crazy. Um, and then like everyone just started paying attention to people who like police police brutality and police harassment and police crimes. And I think that was really vital and critical to the climate of uh, Chicago now and the whole United States when it comes to like social. Well, and justice. that's the thing. It's like now everybody's aware of things. Yeah, like it kind of took a point where like. Trump getting into office and things like that for sort of everyone to wake up. But it's some, you know, these are themes that a lot of people have been very aware of for a long time. Right, right, right. And now the conversations become much bigger and much broader. So, yeah, it's heavy stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, But for you, because, you know, we're not going to necessarily solve all these problems today on this podcast, but for you, 
you're doing really cool work with your music, man. So your full length just dropped, or it's not a full length, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's four it's songs. An, it's it's four a song, songs. Like a song series, yeah. But that just dropped what, like a week or two ago? Yeah, it's going to be a week tomorrow. Oh, my birthday is my 22nd birthday, April 17th. I had dropped it. Yeah. And uh, that was really cool. It was really, I mean, it was really it was exciting. I, like, pitched it to the fader, and they, like, responded back. And Yeah, they had a really cool write-up. Yeah, I didn't expect them to respond back, so that was really raw. <laughs> well, I mean, so, okay. So the record, uh, it's called... Negro Disco. Negro, yeah, okay. So it's out now, and fader did this write-up of it talking about uh, kind of the very disco celebratory tone of it. And so I read the fader feature before I hit play and then I hit play and I was like, yeah, it's real disco. <laughs> like, where did that come from? Where did that, I like that influence come to your music? I was in a barbershop and this old black man was like, yo, your music sounds like some disco song. So I was like, oh, word. Okay. True. Cause when I think of disco. I think of like BGs and how they like Saturday appropriated Fever. Saturday night favor. So I'm yeah. like, mm, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Then I looked, and I was like, oh, disco was super black, super like Latino, super gay. So right. I was like, dang, the disco was kind of raw. And then people were selling like millions of records before like disco even popped off. It was an um, underground, I mean, just like a lot of really relevant music movements, it started off as like an underground, you know, sensation for people who didn't necessarily have a voice. Yeah. And then just like everything else in this culture gets brought up by, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, by white men. They come and be like, I like this. I'm going to do this. Right. Uh, and you're like, oh, cool. Elvis made, uh, made rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> and then you say, you say discally, people think of the Bee Gees. Ah, ah. It's like, right. they stole that whole thing from like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like the whole falsetto sound. Like, come on. Yeah. So, uh, so then I, I, I was like, oh, I really dig this. I like really, really dig this sound. Because when I was growing up, I listened to a lot of Stevie and like, I listened to a lot of like Marvin Gaye and a lot of gospel. My, my church is like a, Gospel Mega House. I want to go to right. 47th from Princeton uh, Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church. So I grew up around a lot of black ass music. And uh, I was like, dang, I didn't know about this black art form. This is really raw. Um, I think I think it's very, uh, it reminds me, like that whole scene reminds me of the scene here in Chicago. I, like It was sort of like a renaissance of things coming together. Because it wasn't just the music, it was like a social movement too with it. And not just like for like LGBTQ folks, but like for like black and brown folks. So I thought yeah. it was really raw. And so that inspired you to go in that direction with this project? Yeah, I want my music to like represent that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very celebratory record. Like The four songs are very upbeat. There's a lot of, and I think this is true for a lot of your music, there's a lot of positivity in it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of celebration in it. Why is that important? I don't know. I don't, I don't even, like, I don't really try to like, do that shit, stuff, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if folks cares. I just really, I really just be writing what I think is dope, and then people like, like, oh, dang, this is like, this is hella positive, or oh, this is hella corny, I, and I just really just be like writing what comes to my mind. I don't be overthinking, like, I gotta say something really positive right here. Yeah, you're not going with an agenda, but it is. It's I feel like it's very uplifting but I think, music. Like, in, like in my music, I try to like not use any like oppressive lingo. Right. And I think when there's no oppressive lingo in music, people just niggas just think it's coming off as positive, which it is positive, which is dope. But I feel like. I feel like it's not really hard to like make music that, that has no oppressive lingo in it. Um, and that's yeah. not me being bougie, like, oh, I'm smarter than other people. But I think it's really easy like, not to say bitch in your songs so or you don't have to say you know, faggot or anything like that in your songs. It's sure. really, really easy to not use those words. Um, well, and you know, it's interesting that everybody finds their, their truth and their voice in a different way. Because we had Superboy here like you know, half yeah. an hour ago. And he was talking about how he feels like there's not a lot of 
a lot of honest, angry music out there anymore. And for you, it's the opposite. You're like, I don't feel like there's a lot of like honest, positive music. So I feel like everybody is just finding a different channel for like their whatever their true message is, you know. Well, I think I mean I think there's honest, positive music and people with good intentions. But I'm just saying like you don't have to say certain things that you like. I mean, people can say whatever they want, but I'm like, some of the stuff is just like, oh, see, you know what I mean? It's well, like, there's problematic language, for sure. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, it, if it's oppressive, like, it, you kind of have to question, like, what purpose is it serving, you know? Yeah. The language. Um, so the record's out now, and you had a show at Shuba's, and you do a full band, right? Sometimes. Ma- majority Sometimes. of the times, I'm like... I think I did a full band like three times, and now everyone's like, you do a full band all the time. But I, it's, it's no one's fault. It's just like my band is just like, not my band, but the people who play with me are just raw. You know, yeah. Burst Twins play with me. Oh, Burst man. Twins, and then like I have Kainda singing. Then I have Sam, who does trumpet. Not Sam Trump, but Sam Barron, who does trumpet. Then I got Boyan, who plays bass. Yeah. So That's that's a crazy line. We had a Kanna and the Burns Twins mm-hmm. on maybe a month ago. Yeah, and it's I watched like, that. Yeah, that's awesome. But, <laughs> you know... The city, like, I'm not going to, like, Chicago Renaissance, blah, blah, but, like, man, everybody's just, like, bringing their A game right now. It's yeah. incredible. There's so much talent. So, but I did. So, I played, I played the new songs. Uh, Sarah was there. It was, it was fun, right? I think. <laughs> and then we sold it out, which was crazy. I didn't expect to do that. I yeah. mean, I expected to do it, but, like, I didn't expect to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, know you guys I mean? sold out. Right. I mean, you sold out Shubas, which is cool. And that's such a gorgeous, like, that's a great room to see a live set in. I it love was really Shubas. cool. We did like a, um, it's the first time I ever did this. I want to like incorporate like black stuff that I grew up with like around into my show. So we did this Soul Train, and it was it was really it was really cool. Like we did a Soul Train in the show, and like it was this like eight year old boy there who knows my music and jumped jumped in the Soul Train, and it was just like a whole bunch of stuff that I was like, this is raw. That's you so know fun. I mean? This is like some really raw stuff because it was like it's one thing to like you have fun on the stage and everyone else right. is just sort of. Or like, like, or on their phone or something. Yeah, like, or on their not, phone. Like, yeah. I really think people was actually like jamming and have fun to my show. So y'all need to come out to my show and jam. <laughs> <laughs> um, something else you just did from the live side. You just did a so far sound show, right? Yeah. How was that? It was interesting. Because they have a different energy. Like, for anybody who doesn't know, so far sounds it's like it's a very like DIY kind of like yeah. sudden, private, last minute, invite yeah. only sort of thing. So it's not like a normal show where you're just like, hey, buy tickets, promoting, come on out. Yeah, so far, it was a really weird follow-up from, because oh, it was just kind of weird, you know? Because it was sort of like, the people who booked me was like, so what have you been doing? When I got there, and I was like, well, I mean, I just sort of shoot. It's like, you don't know what's going on with my career. You're booking me. I'm no, I mean, no, no, no shame to so far. And then afterwards, and then when I got there, it was like, it was weird, because like, at my shows, it's usually like, I think I want to say like, Eight years old to like, well, no, it was like a, it was like a couple old couples in there, but I want to say like eight to like maybe thirty, sure, like years old, and then like there was like thirty plus, and like and it was like it was this home in like Ukraine village, and it was just a really different vibe. It was the old crowd? I'm saying that as somebody who's it was over like, thirty. It was like <laughs> like it was like the like the old and like not hip crowd and like not black crowd. And I was like, oh, or brown. I was like, oh, what's this? So, <laughs> so it's just like, a different thing than you were expecting. Um, yeah. And you're also <laughs> doing some college gigs coming up too, right? Yeah, I just did Marquette yesterday. I did they like they had like a Earth Day like in hip hop, mm-hmm. and it was really cool because it was like I think like 
the small majority of like black and brown students like came to that event and I was like, ah, it's lit. And we did a soul train there and it was lit. And then afterwards we went out to this like after party and like it was just interesting because it's like interest, it's interesting hopping into like the college world, especially like PWIs and like people are interested. It's a different world. Yeah. I have done, I and mean, it's not the same thing. I've done like different speaking gigs at some different colleges mm-hmm. and it's like, it's cool and it's weird. It's a little intimidating. Like, especially I'm older, like it's a little intimidating. You're like, you just don't know what the reception's going to be when you get on the ground, or at least on my, mm-hmm. on my end. And you've got more college gigs coming up, right? Yeah, yeah. I got. Um, I'm doing Oberlin College, May first, and then I'm at University of Chicago, May 27th, which is cool. You get to do cool. like a hometown show in the backyard. Yeah, and I also would never got accepted to any of those schools and like oh, now yeah. I'm like out here and like doing <laughs> shows at their school and can pay for it. It's, so, it's a cool feeling. It's a really, it's a cool feeling but also I think, I mean the dopest thing is that like it's like black and brown folks. I mean, and I'm super like not anti anyone but I'm very like, I rock with like black and brown people sure. and like when they book me for shows and like they bring me out and it's a black and brown crowd at, the, at PWI colleges so I'm like, it's lit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, that's probably just got to make you more like even more amped for the actual performance itself. Yeah, because I can move a crowd of any people, but like, it's just a special like, emo, like special energy when it's like you know, people look like me or close to me. Yeah. Now something really cool that you did that I wanted to ask about. Uh, you have a song called "Hang Loose," and that features none other than Chuck D of Public Enemy. How did that happen? Because that is so cool. That is so huge. Chuck D. Um, I did a show with Chuck D. at Metro like March. 2000, what was that, last year, 2016. Okay. And I opened up for him right before, like, he came out, and he just, like, really, like, was, like, feeling the set. Like, he, like, was taking a picture of me backstage, and I saw him when I was performing. I was like, oh, it's lit. Like, what's going on? Chuck D, man. Yeah, I was like, what's going on? So then he came out, and he, like, had this whole, like, he was like, yo, everyone go rock with Rick Wilson, because, like, I'm rocking with him. And I was like, true? (laughs) I I was like, dang, okay. I was like, bet so then afterwards uh me and him stay connected and it was really hard getting back connected with him because he like was switching like assistants and stuff but uh yeah because because he's chuck d yeah yeah, yeah. yeah right <laughs> so he finally hit me back on the dms on twitter because he's clearly not like a dm person you know what i mean and he followed like everyone everyone that followed chuck d he'd be following him back so i know he got a lot of mugs and his like you DMs. know he's got, yo let's build here's my soundcloud let's build yeah 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 so he finally saw my DM, and he was like, oh, yeah, you can put this in a song. It was right before I was about to put Hang Loose out. So I was like, ah, lit. So then he's like, here's my email. Stay connected. So me and Chuck D, like, reunited. So that's lit. That's wild, though. <laughs> Chuck D, man. Like, I saw that, and I was like, that is just so cool. Yeah. Um, so. so the record's out now. Is it, out, is it on Apple Music, Spotify, everything like yeah, that? Yeah, it's, like, it's everywhere. Everywhere you can find music. Um, I'll put it out my own, so... I'm excited for people to hear you, see what they think about it. But, man, it. I mean, like, we've been talking a lot about the DIY thing all night here, whether it was with Superboy or, or Nitty earlier, like... Yeah, I, I also something. engineer all my stuff, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's impressive. Like, I'm always impressed by people who do the DIY route mm-hmm. because it's so cool and it's so advantageous for so many reasons, mm-hmm. but I also know that it's a lot more work. It's like, a lot more work, and I think I'm not, like, the, I'm not, like, the type to be like, oh, I want to do it all my, like, self, like... I'm pretty sure things are picking up, so, like, I'll, I'm going to start getting help with, like, some stuff. But, like, until that comes, I'm going to just, you know. You're not going to wait around. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I've never, I've never waited around for anything. Yeah. Yeah, I never wait around. I don't overthink songs before I put them. I don't, I mean, I 
I think I overthink myself. I send them to like ten. I send them to the same ten people when I see, get there. Like, you know, feedback. And then if I get like six out of four, I'm like, okay, it's a smash. But if I get like, you know, three out of ten, yeah, nah, I'm like, okay, this is that's your sounding lie. board. Yeah, but I'm about to start moving into like maybe getting another somebody else to engineer my stuff because things are picking up and like I'm starting to be able to afford it. So why people not? are paying attention, man. People yeah. are finding you. You sold out Shubas. You're doing the college route. You got the new record. You got Chuck D co-signing. Like you're making moves. You're making waves. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, uh, that's exciting. What's on deck? What are you looking towards for, you know, as we head into the summer season? And, like, what's ahead for you in 2017? Uh, I'm working with some folks who are, like, bigger than me, like, public-wise. Okay. I can't tell who sure. that is, but I think that's going to – I'm excited for that. Um, I think I might be doing some festivals, some, like, last-minute festivals, like, spots. Because right someone, on. like, was talking about doing that for me. So we're going to see if that pulls through. And oh, I mean May fourth. May fourth, I have. Do you know Grey Worm from Game of Thrones? I don't watch Game of Thrones. Does anyone watch Game of Thrones in here? No, Game of Thrones. Nah. I just can't get sucked into another big show because I'm still coming down off Lost, and that was like five uh, years ago. I'm that guy who gets too into it, so I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I can't handle any Game of Thrones. So okay, but bring us into what you're doing. I'm opening for him at Lincoln Hall May fourth. That's awesome. So his name is. Riley Ritchie, or I might be pronouncing it wrong, but his, he plays, he acts as Grey Worm. He's a really dope dude. We, like, connected on Twitter recently, and I'm excited for that show because he's from London, and I'm, like, excited to just see what the deal is. And that's May 4th? That's May 4th. That's awesome. Which is soon. Yeah, it's, that is soon. That's killer, man. Um, right on. You're doing a lot of really cool work. I'm glad we got to have you up. I'm glad re- that you took the time to reschedule. Thank you so much for... Uh, for being flexible with that, and I'm really glad we were able to make this happen. Yeah, Chicago needs to fix those potholes on Lakeshore Drive. That was yeah. insane, bro. Like, I hit a pothole, and I was like, oh, I'm good. And then I was, like, flat. And then, like, no, I didn't have a jump in the cars. I'm at Jack. Yeah. So. And we got that call, like, like four minutes before the 9 p.m. broadcast started two weeks ago, and I was like, oh, man. I left Prove by himself. I'm sorry, Prove. Me, Prove, right. go we back. We had a great... I know, that's what you were saying. We had a great conversation, but Prove was excited to see you, so... uh so we'll have to line something up, man. But but the mic's always on. As you have new things going on, like, let's continue this conversation. Rick Wilson, I'm so glad we got to have you up, man. Thank yeah. you for coming up. All right, man. Dude. Right. <laughs> Killer. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descend.